0: Good evening to everyone that is sitting down at the back. You can all hear me, I'm sure. i are going to make a start. We are depleted in numbers because of our youth challenge. It's taking place just now, as you know. And we have come into the large building with a smaller number. But we're here to seek the Lord and pray, especially for what's happening just now with the children. And we have had 50 to 60 workers every day Working hard from three o'clock, before three o'clock obviously, until well after half past eight. And we're thankful for every one of them. <coughs> Greg is speaking night by night to the, the senior children just up behind the, the pulpit here, and he'll be coming in as soon as possible. But we'll begin tonight. We'll sing, we'll pray, we'll sing, we'll make some announcements, and then we'll get down to a little time of prayer, and then we'll have the preaching of the word. And we'll see how time goes after that. So let's start with the hymn 100. O Christ, what burdens by thy head Our load was laid on thee Thou stoodest in the sinner's stead Did spare all ill for me A great hymn that highlights the the sufferings of Christ The substitutionary work of the Saviour Let's sing our best with the fewer number tonight Let's really sing unto the Lord Mm -hmm. Together in prayer, and as we pray, remember just now what's happening in other parts of the building. The children are gathering, the word of God will be presented to them, and our hearts are very much with the speakers tonight, with Josh and with uh, Greg as they teach the gospel to the children. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we rejoice tonight in the great, precious. Exceeding precious promises of your word, and not least the truth that where two or three are gathered together in the Saviour's name, he's promised to be in the midst of that gathering. We know that the Lord is here. We know that we can approach the throne of grace through the merit of our Saviour. We can come with joy to the throne, knowing that we are accepted. We can come, Lord, with humility because there is nothing good in us that is in our flesh there dwelleth no good thing we come with that reverence of spirit because we come to present ourselves before a high and a holy God who inhabits eternity the creator of the heavens and the earth the sustainer of all things in the universe the one who gives us the very next breath that we breathe but in him we live, we move, we have our being. And Lord, we come also with rejoicing in the knowledge of sins forgiven. What a joy it has been to sing the opening hymn that reminds us of the divine wrath of God that fell upon Christ and how that sword of justice was meted out against the darling of thy bosom, Jesus Christ, thy Son, so that we, the guilty and the hell-deserving sinners, could go free. We thank you for the cross, the work of redemption, the place of substitution where Jesus stood in our stead, took the wrath of God upon himself against our sin, sin that we should have died for, sin that we should have suffered forever in a crisis eternity for, and yet Jesus took it upon himself. And he bore every sin in his body at the tree, coming out victoriously the other side. We rejoice in the death of Christ, but we also rejoice in the resurrection, setting seal to all the work that he did and the claims that he made as to who he was. We thank you tonight that in the person of Christ we have the Son of God and God the Son. We have the one who was manifested in human flesh, who came from glory who was co-equal with the Father and the Spirit, the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are very conscious just now as we meet together, much fewer in number, where many of our workers are involved in the youth work tonight. We're so glad to see the children coming in day by day. We thank you for keeping them through the activities that they've done. And we thank you for the Word of God that has been shared We thank you for the life and example that has been given by our own workers. We've read this week in Daily Light that we are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And Lord, we pray that even this week through that which has been done and the good works that have been presented that the light of the glorious gospel in us will have been seen. And we pray for the drawing power of God. That will bring children to Christ. Lord this is our ultimate aim. The great glory of God. In the gathering in of sons and daughters. Unto Christ. We know that when sinners are saved. It is much for your glory. For this purpose. The son of God was manifested in human flesh. That he might destroy. The works of the devil. That he might overcome sin. And the grave on our behalf. And bring sinners unto himself in salvation. And Lord, we know that you're able to save the children. So many of us were saved in childhood. And look upon them now, even as the word of God is being presented, we pray that you will look favorably upon the children and help the two speakers tonight, in the junior and in the senior end, to bring forth the message to know liberty from the Lord. And may signs follow, may little children be spoken to, and may their souls be saved for time and for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hymns tonight, even in his absence, have been chosen by Greg because he will return to Isaiah 53. This hymn leads us again to the wounding of Christ. Wounded for me, wounded for me. There on the cross, he was wounded for me gone my transgressions and now I am free all because Jesus was wounded for me. tonight in the Saviour's name to you that have come and to those that are listening in on the internet. Do you remember the Lord's Day? We gather for prayer at 8 o'clock. We've got the open air next but there is a meeting before that and that's the worship service at 12 noon. The open air is in Karnani at 3.30 and the Youth Challenge Parents Night at 7.00. Please pray for that meeting particularly. Freshmans will be served and the ladies are to bring three quarters of a loaf of sandwiches and two dozen buns. We mention the following week with you, again, Lord's Day, the 20th of August, 7 o'clock, testimony and report from Kirsty, who is going to train with Crown College. Just for one final time to mention the trip to Romania, for those that are interested, the 17th and the 24th, those flights will need to be booked this week. Can I mention the, the Home Missions? We'll emphasize it a little bit more on the Lord's Day, but this is the Children's Workers Training Academy. And it is to encourage and equip children, uh, children's workers to, to reach boys and girls with the gospel. And it will be led by the Reverend McKee and the Free Presbyterian Church Children's Evangelists dealing with various topics, I suppose as you look at the three venues, the 9th of September uh, in Macrofield is the nearest one to us. But it will be good training for our children's workers if they're able to go. And all uh, the the seminars will run from 10.30am to 3.30pm and will include lunch. I want you to pray for what's happening now, Youth Challenge vision for kids, they go at the weekend to serve the Lord in Kenya the Sunday school camp at the end of the month and other mission trips and as we think of the Kenyan VBS uh, prayer has been requested for safe travels Monday to Friday Bible clubs Saturday interschool sports and gospel meeting wisdom for the team, leaders and members and the salvation of precious souls thinking of Kenya Uh, The Youth Council group has left today to go to Kenya to do VBS and a mission trip there, so remember that as well. Gospel mission, we want to be preparing for it in prayer from the 10th to the 24th of September in Dalriada School. We've mentioned Youth Challenge, and I just want to show you very, very quickly some of the photographs, mostly from the first day, not exclusively, but it was tremendous to see 120 children at least gathering for the afternoon activities. And this is just a few slides of what happened up at the Joey Dunlop Centre. They did the soccer camp, all very enthusiastic about it in their different colours as far as the teams were concerned, as you can see. Thankful to Andrew, who had to blow the whistle on more than one occasion just to get the attention of the children and for others that use their skills and Kerry of course is uh, greatly blessed when it comes to uh, the skill of football so you want to pray for these children and even the activities that they've done they came to the church then and this is how it has been out here in the fellowship area doing various crafts with the children night by night with a bible theme these things they can take home and hang up in their rooms and they have them uh, for forever or for as long as they last. Registration always took place. Thank, thankful to this part of the team that were there to make sure the children were safely registered. A few more activities were done here at the church. <clears throat> this is from 7 o'clock until half past 8 every night. And the singing of the choruses. And I was able to train up Heidi how to do Deep and Wide She really appreciated that. Josh speaking to the the juniors and Greg speaking up there in the upper room to the seniors. Thankful to the team that came in and cooked the meal for them every evening. And the children, we have to say, they fared sumptuously every single night. We had a special visit today from David Johnson, who is a professional footballer, and he did... Uh, training with them this afternoon, and they really appreciated that. Can I ask prayer for little Sienna? Uh, This is one of the Scottish girls that that came over. You met them on the Lord's Day, and uh, unfortunately on Monday, up at the Joe Eden Love Centre, not even, it was in the midst of a match, a football match, but she was just walking, something happened, and she uh, fell, and she broke her knee, had to be taken to A&E, Consequently they couldn't stay any longer because uh, she needs MRI scans, CT scans and so they left late that night on Monday to return to the land of Scotland. So we really feel sorry for them not able to accomplish the week with us. But she's going back with thumbs up, smile on her face and plaster Paris from her thigh to her ankle and we pray for her recovery. Do remember this family please in prayer. And uh, we had a visit from baby David. He was in hospital this week for a few days. And uh, just remember him in prayer. He's four weeks now and has had great difficulty keeping his food down. So he hasn't even reached his birth weight again. And there's just a little concern there that something will be done. And the hospital have been very attentive. They let them out this morning uh, with a view to being out over the weekend. Uh, to return on Monday for uh, further scans. We remember the sick of the congregation. We want you to remember these names. They're known to you now. The situation in the land of Ukraine. Two other names to mention Hubert. Hubert Laravi, our friend from Connecticut in the United States of America, has come through surgery. He's been in dreadful pain for quite a few months now. And we're hoping that the surgery that he has received on his spinal area at the back of his neck uh, will help the situation. So remember Hubert in prayer. And remember Desi Coffey. Desi's known to quite a few of you. Desi had a hip operation today and is recovering. So we're going to pray now. We'll just come straight to the Lord, uh, one after the other. And we're just saying uh, for a few minutes anyhow, farewell to those listening in. This will be a holding slide just to let you know at home that we're having our time of prayer and the broadcast will resume shortly when Greg comes back in again. So let's bow together in prayer. And Lord, we pray that you will renew that strength now spiritually, even as we come soon to your word and the reading of it and the exposition of it. We pray for the Lord to direct our way and open our hearts to your word and bless each one as we come again to this marvelous prophetic chapter. We pray that you'll be pleased to pour the Spirit of God upon us. And bless Greg as he brings the message and stand with him, fill him with the spirit of God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. just to give Greg the opportunity to settle down into the meeting, we're going to sing together 266. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free. Sing, we will sing of my Redeemer with his blood. He purchased me on the cross. He sealed my pardon, paid the debt and made me free. Others might be able to join us. I know there's a lot of children to get home just now, but some might come into the prayer time. And after Greg brings the message tonight, uh, we'll have a special prayer for those going to Kenya on Sunday, that the Lord will bless them, protect them, and keep them, and be with them not only in the journey, but in all the work that they do. Greg, we're very glad to have you tonight, and you've been busy this week with Youth Challenge, and we appreciate you continuing with the theme that you're going to present to us tonight from that glorious chapter. So we're going to ask you to come and bring God's Word. Thank you. Well,
1: it's lovely to be here again with you tonight and I thank you all for coming. It has been a busy week, but it's been a good week. And I trust and pray as we come and we look at this wonderful portion again in the book of Isaiah. And we'll be blessed and encouraged in our own heart and our own souls. If you turn your Bibles, please, to that portion. Isaiah chapter 52, the final three verses, and then the, the whole of Isaiah 53 also. Isaiah 52, and verse 13. And I was speaking to a guy last week who told me he can recite this, and I um, hope you've been learning. It's still another couple of weeks. It's still the challenge to come up with the last uh, Thursday night and to Recite these 12 verses, and I'll ask you to do the verses 13, 14, and 15, although they are part of what we're talking about in Isaiah. But we'll read together Isaiah 52, verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which hath not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And we'll end at the end of the chapter and we trust the Lord will bless it even again to our hearts this night. Will this seek the Lord momentarily in a word of prayer? Let's ask for his help as we come to consider the next few verses in this glorious chapter. Let's pray. Eternal God and our loving Father in heaven, we just come and still ourselves now again in thy presence. We thank thee, Lord, for this means of access that we have to approach a holy God. We thank thee we do not approach upon our own merits, but upon the merits of Christ and his perfect righteousness. We pray tonight, Lord, for this even prayer meeting, for what we've read. We thank thee for what has already taken place, both here and Youth Challenge also. We pray for the the boys and girls, as they've heard the glorious message of the gospel every night, that, Lord, souls will be saved. That Lord, you'll speak to those, Lord, that know not Christ. Amen. We'll see wonderful things done in, even this week. We'll hear even of many professing faith, even weeks to come. We pray, Lord, through that, that we'll bring them into the church here, bring their parents also, bring them in on Sunday for the special service there. We pray for the Reverend Park as he would preach it. That, Lord, you'll give him words to say. You'll give him the help that he needs. But, Lord, tonight we pray for this very great need, for this meeting, for this time. Lord, you'll give me help to preach thy word. That you give me clarity of mind, clarity of thought. You'll take away any nerves and fears that there are. And above all, that we would see our wonderful Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. That he will be exalted. He will be uplifted. And, Lord, we will go away both encouraged and challenged in our own hearts and souls. To that end, we pray, Lord, and ask these things. For Jesus' sake, and thy name we ask it. Amen. I want to begin tonight by asking the question, What is your purpose in life? So you ask that question to many people and they struggle to find an answer. But William Gilbert Ovens was not one of those individuals. Because his response when he was asked the question, What is your purpose in life? He responded by saying this, My purpose is that I might know Christ, that I might love Christ, that I might serve Christ that I might share the joy of Christ with others, and that I might have the joy of leading many to the Lord Jesus Christ. And for over 30 years, that's exactly what W.G. Ovens endeavored to do. He conducted children's meetings all over Northern Ireland for 30 years, and where many children were led to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But W.G. Ovens had another passion in life, and that was music. It was only inevitable at some point throughout those children's meetings that he would end up in the organ, the children would be gathered around to sing some of the well-known choruses, many of which he had written himself. But one day while he was sitting there on that organ, he noticed a man, a soldier, limping by. Clearly, he had been in war. And almost immediately the thought came to him, he was wounded for me. And because of that, I have my freedom tonight. And upon thinking about this a little longer, Alvin's mind was then brought to consider the greater sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he had made for his sin. And he began to think about Christ. He began to think about the wounds he had borne. And the words of a very famous children's chorus began to take shape. Wounded for me. Wounded for me. There on the cross he was wounded for me. Gone my transgressions and now I am free. All because Jesus was wounded for me. And this chorus would later be made into a hymn. Four extra verses would be added there by Gladys Watkins Roberts. It's a hymn that many believers love to sing, and I'm not sure if you've sang it yet tonight, but we were planning to sing it. Hymn 654 in our own hymn book, Wounded for Me, Wounded for Me. You think through those words tonight, particularly what they mean for us. We too, like W.G. Ovens, are brought to consider passages such as we've read tonight. Words such as we've read tonight in Isaiah chapter 53. Look at verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. You see, herein lies the heart of the gospel. See, what Isaiah here is saying surely brings us straight to Calvary, brings us straight to the cross and to the vicarious atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. They reveal to us the substitutionary work of the Lord Jesus Christ in the cross. That's what it means by that term vicarious. We speak of the atonement that Christ would make for sin. The penalty that he would pay through the shedding of his blood on the cross for the remission of that sin. And last week we considered these first three verses in Isaiah 53. Verses which revealed to us that Christ was and still is rejected by many as the Savior. In verse 1, we considered the truth that Christ was rejected because he was unknown. Few believed that gospel report. Few wanted to believe in the works that he performed. In verse 2, we considered that Christ was rejected because he was unremarkable. He was called a tender plant, he was a root out of a dry ground. And then we went on to consider, that we not, that he had no form, he had no comeliness, he was viewed as ordinary. See, there was nothing about Christ that the people desired after. Verse three, it spoke about Christ's unpopularity. He was despised. He was rejected. He was one in whom men hid their faces from Him. They were were repulsed by Christ. They were repulsed by His message. They desired after a God who would overlook their sin. And so having covered the first three verses last week, I want to consider now the next three verses. Isaiah 53, verses 4, 5, and 6. And these verses bring us tonight to consider our subject, which is simply the substitution of the Saviour. We're going to consider tonight the substitution of the Savior. And there are three main thoughts, again, that I want to leave with you tonight. One from every verse. So verse 4 is going to be our beginning point tonight. And we see, firstly, that Christ took our pain. You read what he says in verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And there are two main thoughts that I want to leave with you from those words in verse 4. We see, firstly, the enduring of his pain. And I say that because look at how that verse begins. It says there, surely he hath borne our griefs. And that word borne, it can be translated there as endured. He endured something unpleasant. He was enduring something on the behalf of another. That's what that word means. But what was it that Christ endured? Well, Isaiah tells us that he endured our griefs. Literally, he's saying here that Christ has endured our sickness. Making this statement, Isaiah, he's repeating what he had already said in verse 3. You find the same word used there in verse 3. If you read it, it says he was acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with grief. But then in verse 4, this word grief, it's describing something stronger. Yes, it's the same word, but it's a stronger word. You describe someone tonight as an acquaintance, somebody you've maybe been in contact with for a while. You maybe spend a little bit of time with them. But they're not a close friend, are they? when you think of that word enduring it's speaking about a grief that was prolonged it was grief that took place over an extended period of time throughout christ's life not only do we read that christ has borne our griefs but then the verse goes on to say that he has carried our sorrows you see our sorrows were a burden to christ they were a heavy load to christ that's what it means there and again isaiah uses the same word here in isaiah 53 and verse 11 Speaking there with reference to sin, he says, For he shall bear our iniquities, he shall carry our iniquities. You see, sin always leads a person into sorrow. You think of the believer tonight, and you end up getting in trouble. You do something you shouldn't be involved in. You've sinned against the Lord, and what happens? It grieves you. It should grieve you because you've let the Lord down. I know we all do it. We all let him down so many times. And you can bet that the devil comes along, doesn't, and he throws the accusations out. He says, well... Look at you again. You've let the Lord down. He's finished with you. Call yourself a Christian. Can't believe you did that. If we see you feel sorrowful about sin tonight in our imperfect states, just imagine the weight of sorrow that Christ felt in his perfect state. As Christ approached the cross, that weight only began to get heavier. Christ has a perfect knowledge. He knew everything that was before him. He knew the cross. He knew what he would have to endure. He knew the punishment it would bring. And yet he never faltered in obeying the Father's will. And I believe he's something of that burden in Matthew chapter 26. If you turn over there with me, Matthew chapter 26, and it's verses 37 through 39. Matthew chapter 26, and verse 37. find Christ in the garden before Judas comes and betrays him. Read what it says in verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And you notice how those those verses begin. He began to be very sorrowful. He began to be very heavy. In other words, he was in great distress. He was anguished. He truly was troubled by this. That's what it means by the word heavy. And he'd under that intense pressure and crushing weight of sin in Gethsemane, Such as caused him to sweat as it were great drops of blood, we read what the Savior says in Matthew 26, also in Luke chapter 22, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine, Lord. Christ's suffering on the cross will never nor never needs to be repeated. He's made that one time sacrifice for sin forever. Yet the wonderful thing is that Christ still promises to bear our burdens. And I'm thinking the night of those words in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Perhaps something's happened to you this week. I don't know your situation. You don't know my situation, but you've gone through a difficulty. Oh, nobody else knows about it and you're really struggling with that situation. What a promise for you tonight. Christ promises to take that burden from you. He promises to give you rest tonight. The Bible exhorts us in 1 Peter to cast our cares upon him, knowing that he careth for us. And what a promise that is. We have a God in heaven who cares for us. Despite our sin, despite our many feelings, he has loved us with an everlasting love. That is the enduring of his pain. But the second thing I want you to see in verse 4 then is the error regarding this pain. It's the second half of verse 4 yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Or to be stricken, it means to lay hands on that somebody. It means to deal with him in a violent manner. To smite, it means to scourge. It means to literally beat someone to the point of death. And Isaiah spoke about such things in an earlier chapter. If you're following along, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 50 in verse 6. Isaiah chapter 50 in verse 6. He says, I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Is that not exactly what we read happened to Christ? Did the Roman soldiers not slap him and beat him? Did they not scourge him? Pull the hair from off his beard, they spat upon him, they punched him. All of those things and more. And such was the degree of punishment that Christ endured at the hands of men that in Isaiah chapter 52, as we read tonight, his visage was so marred more than any man, they left him barely recognizable. As I read Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6, I looked at those words there. How he hid not his face from them. We looked last week in Isaiah 53 and verse 3, how those people, they hid their face from Christ. They were ashamed of Christ. They despised him. They rejected him. And look at how he he treats them. Look how he's treated us. He hid not his face from them. Why do I say that the people were in error here? Look again at verse 4. We did esteem him stricken and smitten of God. Those two words, of God. Because their error here was that they believed that the sufferings that Christ endured had nothing to do with them. They believed that Christ was being punished by God for something he had done personally, for sin that he had committed. And because of that, then, he deserved to die. All the while, they were totally unaware that it was their sin. It was their sin why he was being punished. They had no idea that Christ had already, from before the foundation of the world, made that agreement with the Father, the covenant of grace, take the place of sinful man, To pay the penalty of the law that you and I have broken? No, they thought it was of God. They thought Christ deserved it. Christ took our pain. I want to say secondly tonight, Christ took our punishment. Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And again, I have two very simple thoughts here. There's the reason for Christ's punishment. That's the first thing. You notice the phrasing Isaiah uses in this verse. It's very deliberate. It tells us he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. It was for us. Because of what we had done, it was our iniquities, it was our sins. All that Christ endured on the cross was because of the sins we have committed. And what was the end of Christ's punishment in verse 5? It's found over in Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 22. Well-known words. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a thick cloud thy sins return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Our sins have been blotted out because of the wounding and because of the bruising of Christ. And whenever you read those words in our English language, I don't think they adequately describe what Christ went through for us. That word wounded literally means that Christ was violated. He was tormented. He was wounded fatally. And we looked for a moment at Psalm 22 last week, that Messianic Psalm. We have the same Hebrew word wounded translated in a different way in verse 16. It tells us there they pierced his hands and feet. That word pierced is the same word wounded. And again, we see that fulfilled at the cross. Hands, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. Spear thrust through his side, all because of our transgressions. But things get even more graphic. You go on to consider the meaning behind the phrase that he was bruised for our iniquities. See, that word bruising here, it's speaking about something that is broken into pieces. Something that is shattered, something that you crush into dust. Isaiah surely is expanding upon the previous prophecy. We looked at it last week, Genesis 3.15. That speaks there about the bruising or the crushing of the serpent's head. The bruising or the crushing of Christ's heel. And again, that was Christ's reality as he hung on the cross. For sin that wasn't his own. But The amazing thing and all I've said tonight is this word bruise because it has another meaning. It can be described as allowing oneself to be bruised. Christ endured everything on the cross willingly. And that's so important to understand. There are those who look at the cross tonight and they'll say Christ was a victim of his circumstances. Some will go as far as saying it was cosmic child abuse. What does Christ himself say in John chapter 10? Therefore doth my Father love me, Because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. You ever fully understand? Christ was willing to be punished on our behalf. Christ was pierced. He was crushed on the cross for our sins. You stop and think about that for long enough. Would you ever willingly want to commit another sin in your life? Let me put it another way. The next time you and I inevitably come and we think to ourselves, well, I know I shouldn't be doing that, but it's okay. It's just a wee sin. Nobody's going to get hurt. Nobody will notice. It won't cause any harm. You think about how much harm your insignificant sin caused your Savior in the cross. He was pierced. He was crushed. His body was broken for our sin. And to live in unconfessed sin tonight and to think very little of that sin, what are you saying tonight? Well, you're saying this I don't really care about what Christ has suffered. I don't care about it. The reason for Christ's punishment was for our transgressions and our iniquities. What is the result of Christ's punishment? The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You can read that slightly differently. The chastisement which fell upon him brought us peace. And is that not the truth that we find in the hymn that, again, perhaps you sang tonight, Jehovah lifted up his rod. O Christ, it fell on thee, thy wast so stricken of thy God, there's not one stroke for me. Not one stroke for me. See, the result of his correction and of the discipline that Christ received, it resulted in you and I having peace with God tonight. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 and 22. Just after the book of Philippians, you have the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, and verse 20. having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. When a criminal breaks the law, He can only be at peace with the law once he has endured or suffered the punishment that that law demands. In other words, you do the crime, you need to do the time. You apply that to God's law tonight, which we cannot keep, which we've all broken. Surely this punishment was ours to bear, and yet we have been reconciled to God tonight because of Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, Therefore therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We're no longer condemned by the law. But it doesn't mean we abuse the standing we have in Christ. You'll speak to people and they'll say something like this, Well, I can do whatever I want still. Christ has saved me. I'm free from the law. You know, we need to continue to keep the law to the best of our ability. But Not only do we have peace with God, we've been healed. With His stripes, we are healed, it says. And Isaiah is not speaking about a physical healing. You ever speak to a faith healer? They'll point you to these words and they'll say, Well, look, it's physical healing. It's not physical healing. He's speaking about being spiritually healed from the effects of sin. To be healed, as we have it in verse 5, it basically gives the idea of restoring something to its original condition. And what we see in that is the wonderful work of regeneration. Regeneration that must take place in the heart of any individual if they are to be saved. But again, Peter puts it in much simpler terms for us in First Peter chapter 2. Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Because by our sins tonight, we were spiritually dead. On our way to hell, and yet because of what Christ has done on the cross, we now live unto righteousness. We have eternal life in heaven, and we have peace with God forever. Oh, Christ took our pain, he took our punishment, but the final thing I want you to see, it's in verse 6, Christ took our place. That verse says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him iniquity of us all and again two very simple things that we see in verse six there's firstly the necessity in taking our place he says all we like sheep have gone astray we've all rebelled we've all wandered off the right path and isaiah uses the analogy of a sheep here because sheep are generally thought of as being foolish or stupid if you've ever been hiking in the Morn Mountains, you'll know that firsthand. As you're walking along and all of a sudden you see a sheep and it's trapped itself. It's got into position and it needs to be rescued. Or you look up at the summit and you see this sheep defying gravity. It's almost at 90 degrees hanging off the side of a cliff. And you're wondering, how on earth did it get there? Well, sheep are short-sighted. They have a one-track mind. They're only looking for that tuft of grass to eat of tunnel vision and many of us have that as well. We like to eat food, and you have tunnel vision, you see the food, and that's all you want. You don't see anything else around it. They head straight for that grass. They don't see the danger. Sinful man tonight does the same as they seek satisfaction in whatever sin they can find. But notice that Isaiah is very specific in verse 6 because he uses the word all. That word all means that all have gone astray. It's universal. Paul uses the same word all in reference to sin. Romans chapter 3. There is none righteous, no, not one. They are all going out of their way. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. When you read through the New Testament, how often does Christ use this same analogy of a sheep with reference to sinners? Matthew chapter 9, he says there are sheep having no shepherd. And yet the wonder of the gospel tonight is, despite our having gone astray, Christ didn't leave us in our sin. He sought us out as that loving shepherd who seeks that lost sheep. That was his purpose for coming into the world. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. But again, you look back at Isaiah 53 and that word astray because we have another meaning to that word. It gives the idea of someone who has been deceived. Someone who has been led astray, taken by the hand and led astray. That's something every believer needs to guard against. We live in a world of sin. So easy to be deceived by the things of the world. So easy to even deceive ourselves into thinking what we're doing is right. That's been man's response since the very beginning. Eve blamed the serpent. Adam blamed Eve. But the fault lay with themselves. Yes, the serpent came, he tempted, he was subtle, he did all of those things, but it was Eve's own free will, her own free volition that caused her to eat that fruit. And whenever we sin, we do it willingly. We do with our own free will, it's our own self-determined act. And yes, I know at times we can go into sinful situations and we have no idea. But more often than not, we willingly allow ourselves to enter into those circumstances. We turn our own way. We turn away from something, we turn to something else. We do that which is right in our own eyes. See, the company we keep, the activities we engage in, they're going to shape our actions. And it's very easy to be influenced by others. Jeremiah warns us against that in Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 6. He speaks there about false shepherds that have entered in. He says, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away onto the mountain. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. For the people in that day, their resting place is speaking about the land of Canaan. The promised land, the place of rest. But ultimately it is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ who alone gives true rest. Necessity in taking our place, but very quickly there is the nature of taking our place. Final words of verse 6. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Here we're brought to see that substitutionary work of Christ. The literal translation of the words is this. The Lord he made. The Lord had caused our iniquities to meet on Christ. We see something of that in the Old Testament. You go back to the day of atonement. High priest would come with The two goats. He would offer one of those goats for a sin offering. The other would be the scapegoat. And that first goat, when it was slaughtered, it typified the appeasing of God's wrath through the shedding of blood. But the second goat, the scapegoat, the one who came and offered that, he put his hand on the goat, signifying the transferal of guilt. Then that scapegoat was led out into the wilderness, never to be seen again. And at Calvary, we see this Old Testament type fulfilled. Because Christ on the cross, he acted both as the offerer of the sacrifice and also that offering as well. He offered the sacrifice, but he was the sacrifice. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, whilst our sins were laid upon Christ's account, it's important to understand that it didn't mean that Christ became a sinner. No moral defilement, no moral corruption in Christ's nature or His person. No, when having our sins laid upon Him, He was viewed as guilty, viewed as guilty in the eyes of God. That sin was imputed to Christ. It was laid upon Christ's account. It was not imparted to Christ. No moral defilement. And what was the result of Christ's substitutionary work for us? Those sheep who have gone astray. Well Peter tells us we've returned unto the shepherd and bishop of our souls. And as shepherd and bishop, Christ will meet all of our needs. He watches over every member of his church. He's an interest in every single one of us tonight. He intercedes on our behalf tonight. Truly we can say in the words of the Psalmist David because of what Christ has done for us, he's my shepherd and I shall not want. And you can make that personal tonight because you can put your own name in there if you're saved. Christ is Greg's shepherd. And because of that, Greg shall not want. All because of Isaiah 53. Truly it overwhelms when you think about this. You stop and think and read what Christ has done. Christ loves us. He died for us. He intercedes for us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. What have we done to deserve that nothing? But Christ has done it. We're going to leave it there tonight, plenty to think about. Just think about what Christ has done for you, what He's done for me. Truly remarkable. Undeserving. Can't get my head around it. But it's true because Christ has done it. We'll come back to this next week. Look at another few verses. I thank you for your coming tonight. Thank you for your attention. I trust you'll be challenged by it. Challenged to continue on with the Lord. Continue to serve the one who gave us all for you on the cross. we will hand back to Mr. Park.
0: Thank you, Greg, for bringing us to the cross, to the heart of the gospel. I'm sure your, your heart has been stirred in a wee word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this grand prophecy of Isaiah 53. Thank you for moving the, the prophet to record it by divine inspiration so that we might have it today. We think of how amazing it is 700 years before the incarnation that he could speak so vividly about the Son of God who would come and what he would come to do. We bless thee that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. We rejoice tonight that our sins were laid upon him and Christ was punished that we might go free. And truly we can't take it in. can't fathom it with our human minds, but we glory in it. And God forbid that we should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so write your word upon every heart and Make it a blessing to us and those that have tuned in tonight for Jesus' sake. Amen. We sing together 107. We did sing the three hymns that Greg had chosen and we're adding this one that brings us again to the bleeding Saviour and his death of the cross. Alas, and did my Saviour bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. And let's sing it with thought and meaning tonight as we sing it with the cross. And then after we sing, it, if you take your seats again, and we'll, we'll have this special prayer for those that are heading to Kenya at the weekend. I'm not sure if you want to just tell us exactly what you'll be doing and who's going. If you want to come up and then everybody will hear at this mic. And then we'll ask Jonathan if he'll come and lead us in prayer.
2: oh everybody. This will just be from memory because I hadn't had prepared. I wasn't expecting to go up here, but uh, Basically, we're going out on Sunday. Uh, we'll not be arriving until Monday afternoon. The first Bible club will be least an open meeting on uh, Monday afternoon. And then uh, from Tuesday to Friday, we're breaking up into four groups, four different age groups uh, for the children. There's going to be about at least 150, maybe 160 children uh, through that. Then on the Saturday We're having an inter-schools competition where there's six schools coming to have uh, football and volleyball and some other games. And there'll be an epilogue uh, meeting after that. We'll also be feeding them. So we're expecting over 500 children at that there. So uh, if you can imagine what was happening there the day and multiply it by by, uh, about three or four. uh, That's a lot of ones to... um, There's a lot of uh, organisation. There's 15, 16 going on the trip now. Uh, We'll also have some helpers out there as well uh, to help with the translation. Uh, Most of them understand English, but they might not understand our English, if you know what I mean. Uh, So uh, there's a wide variety of uh, group going. Uh, There's a few of them here tonight. Uh, There's the Glenn family, there's Tanya, there's Hannah and Luke. Uh, and David Davidson's going as well and then we have uh, a couple from Port of Down, a fella from uh, Monaghan, a fella from uh a girl from Finvoy and a girl from Scotland so it's a wide variety of uh, people so just pray that everybody gels together and become a, become a good team uh, then on the following week um, We'll be doing taking 35 of the children on a safari. Um, they'll be chosen of how they've performed through the academic year. So I think there's 21 of them, or or 24 of them already chosen. Um, so through the week of meetings, uh, it'll be our job to pick another 11 to go with us. Unfortunately, we can't take them all. It's, uh, it'll be too expensive, but uh, we're doing that. There'll also be an epilogue at that as well. And we're also... Uh, you may may or may not know. There's four classrooms getting built at the minute. Um, they're nearly finished, but they're, they'll not be finished for a wee while. Uh, but we're having a stone laying service uh, in memory of some some of the folks here that uh, been good donators and have passed on. So maybe pray for that service as well. Uh, so probably a bit of parents come on to that service. So uh, you can pray for the parents. Pray for the children. Pray for the workers, um, just like the last verse and, and that ham there. Just pray that we'll be faithful. Thank you.
3: Our gracious God and loving heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, for Irwin, and we thank you for the group that are planning to go out to Kenya. We pray, Lord, that you'll go before them, that you'll prepare the way. We thank you, Lord, that the gospel is universal. It's the same gospel and balamoni as it is in Kenya. And, O oh God, we just pray that you'll touch hearts. We pray, Lord, for the efforts, for the organization, for everything that has been planned. We pray that everything will be done to the honor and glory of thy great name. But most of all, Lord, we pray for thy Holy Spirit to go with that group. We pray, Lord, even as the gospel is spread amongst those boys and girls, that many will come to faith in Christ. We pray for that great gathering of 500 children, even from the schools. Many of them maybe have never heard the gospel before. We pray even for that opportunity. And even for those days when the 160 will be gathered, we pray, Lord, that you'll bless there. And Lord, we pray for the team. We thank you for each one. We thank you, Lord, that they're saved and they're, they have a desire in their hearts to serve thee. And, O oh Lord, even as they go, we pray you'll bless them as a group, bind them together, and even encourage their hearts to be able to serve thee in this way. We pray this all in the precious and lovely name of our Saviour. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Everybody say, say good night to you and good night to those that have joined us on the internet.